Production. Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 432. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today I have my co-host John White. Today is Wednesday, May 2nd, 2018. John, it is May 2nd. How's it going? It's, it's going really well, Eric. Uh, yeah, it's May 2nd. I had to double check myself. Uh, I'm losing track of days of the week. I'm like, wait, what day is it? Wait, I'm podcasting. It has to be a Wednesday. It has to be Wednesday. Well, yeah. yesterday was my birthday, so I had the day off. So uh, then I'm confused. Um, of course. Too much alcohol for your birthday. Is it May 2nd? Did we skip a day? What <laughs> right. day actually is it? So, now, did you need an IV this morning? I did. <laughs> I, I absolutely did. Great. Uh, so we're on the show today. Today we have two blog beat podcasters uh, that uh, have great blogs. So we're going to we're going to go through those blogs. It should be fun to go through them, uh, as well as we've got some community announcements. Dell Tech World is going on. So the bloggers, Victor von Vandenberg, uh, he runs uh, a blog, Victorious. He's on from the Netherlands. Thoughts on uh, EM availability and SLAs. So we'll get to his blog. That should be, we'll do that first. And then uh, Vika Shitoli, uh, he does at uh, VThink Beyond VM. Uh, he's got a blog article uh, that's pretty good on adding hosts, empty EBC cluster fails, simple workout, workarounds. So he's got some workarounds on, uh, what is it, vMotion kind of? Uh, yeah, the enhanced vMotion yeah. compatibility. Yeah, yep. so we'll get to that blog article too, talk to them. Great bloggers. Uh, we got Elsa Mayer here. She runs the BlogBeat program, so we'll talk a little bit about the BlogBeat program, uh, where that's going first, and then we'll get to the, uh, the great blog articles and go from there. So, John, before we get started, Bay Area Report. Oh, the Bay Report, yes, which Podcasting Times today called the segment that literally no one is clamoring for. Oh. Um, a made-up quote from a made-up uh, institution. Institution, yeah. right? Nobody really cares. But. Yeah, no, today it was a sky blue bay, which was weird. It was a little bit disconcerting for me because the, the sky was literally the same color. So, you know, I started asking, well, why is the bay sky blue? But it started to sound like, you know, the annoying question little kids ask, you know, why is the sky blue? <laughs> and I just didn't want to go down that route. So There you go. There you go. So um, people ask for the chat uh, blog articles, so I just put them in. So you can, uh, if you're doing live, you get to see chat, you get to ask questions. So feel free to come in and enjoy live. And we also want to say hi to all the people on Facebook. Good to see you. Um, can we see everybody? Are you in? Are you in the frame? Yeah, yeah right. Got everybody in frame. Nice. It's live. Thanks for everybody on Facebook uh, watching us and saying hello. We do watch how many minutes you watch, so if you could watch more than eight minutes, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but we did get like 1,600 uh, views last week alone. Oh, nice. And it reached of 6,000, so we're pretty happy about that. Uh, that's good. And you can always come into the chat and uh, engage with us on, on TalkShoe. So uh, that's going on. All right, so in the news, Dell Tech World this week. Right. Uh, Pat did a keynote. Uh, I think we announced a virtual cloud network. Right. So that's yeah. a new term that we're, we're talking about. Uh, it's an aggregation of Velo Cloud plus the NSXT, NSX. The whole NSX suite now uh, is kind of being marketed as uh, the virtual cloud network where you have your hybrid cloud with your edge cloud and your uh, cloud in your data center, your cloud at Azure. We announced Azure as part of the cloud, mm -hmm. uh, the virtual cloud network stack. Uh, Azure supporting that now, so uh, pretty neat. Good, yeah, good networking stuff. And there's a really cool article that kind of lays out the vision statement on uh, Radius, which is the VMware.com/slash Radius. So if you want to go see uh, 
again, like kind of the high-level vision statement about why we're doing this and where we see this going, I think that's a really uh, good article to read. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We also ran a this week a, a NSX uh, or V Expert NSX uh, briefing update. So a lot of uh, the experts came, the NSX the expert group came, got a pre-brief of uh, what Pat was going to announce and some of the branding around that. So thanks to you know the P, the V experts that uh, showed up, and I think we missed maybe 20 different NSX VS first on the mailing list, so I've got that corrected. So um, sorry to the guys that uh, we missed, but we did have a, a great turnout, uh, did some brief, brief, pre-briefings, uh, so thanks for everybody that showed up for that as well. Um, so good stuff. We did also meet this week with uh, Alistair Cook, right? Uh, oh, nice. Saw him, uh, and we talked about what we're going to be doing, uh, one, at uh, VMworld this year, uh, which I think the call for papers is now out on the brown bag, so the VMTN booth will have theaters again and uh, getting people passes and get your paper submissions in. We'll also be reaching out to uh, people that didn't get their main session papers uh, accepted. We'll reach out to some of those people and offer them seats in the theater, right, to live stream. So we're doing live stream again. So Alistair was great. He's out here. We also talked about some ideas around uh, what we might be doing with the VMTN community at uh, reInvent um, hmm. in uh, later, later, later part of the Very year, cool. so should maybe have a presence there as well. So look forward to that. So great seeing Alistair again, and we're making progress. So I uh, thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, I, I think I told you before we started rolling. I saw you guys in uh, meeting in the cafeteria, and I went, man, that guy looks exactly like Alistair Cook. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. he's in the, he's in New Zealand, so yeah, that can't be New him. Zealand, New Zealand, and and most of you guys know I'm horrible with last names, so. They call him Alistair, the guy with the, the mustache that has the roll-up thing. Right yeah, I'm not sure Alistair has a doppelganger. I just I yeah, don't I think, think there's unique. one out there. <laughs> Although the, the new VMworld uh, session manager, mm-hmm. uh, Alice. Um, uh, Allison it, Jones. Yeah, yeah, Allison Jones, who runs that. Uh, we were talking, and she knew an Alistair, right, that really? did sessions, and a uh, tall guy from Australia, I think it was. And so we actually thought it was Alistair Cook, and she could have swore it was Alistair Cook, but then we actually got them together and had them meet and see if it was somebody she worked with 20 years ago, yeah. and it wasn't. It was not. It was a different wow. Alistair Cook from John It was an Alistair Cook? Yeah, it was an Alistair Cook, a different Alistair Cook. Maybe that's now, maybe like the she, John Smith of that part of the yeah, world. Maybe, <laughs> maybe she just forgot the last name. Oh, that's so, probably you know, true. She just tall Alistair, and Cook sounded right, so... But it was not. So so we had him in. Uh, very excited about the VMTN session. We already got people registering for them. So slots will fill up. So make sure uh, if you have a great idea that you know, like the my favorite one is taking 500 USB keys and putting them in a, a, a big USB hub network and then making a vSense storage element out of it. Right. <laughs> so a guy did a paper on that one time. And, you know, that's never going to be accepted as a general session paper, right? So if you got one of those ideas that you think is really cool, uh, go go register on V. Brown Bragg and come. We love to, to see those type of sessions, and so does the community audience. They're fun. And, you know, a lot of these off ones are ones that probably won't be accepted by the mainstream. So uh, get signed up early. And, uh, you know, if you need a pass, reach out to us. Uh, we'll see if we can get you one. Uh, we can't get you your flight cover, but maybe we can get you a pass to get into the show. Uh, if you've got an interesting thing to do and you can't get in any other way, we are your last resort. Um, other than that, let's see. That was V Roundbag. Uh, VMworld Reg opens May 8th, so we're May coming 8th. up on that. Um, get your early bird Reg out of the way, uh, and we'll go from there. 
That's all I got for news. Anybody else got anything? I got nothing. Got nothing. Nothing. It's all good. Uh, we've had a busy time, a lot of announcements uh, at uh, uh, Tech World. Tommy Berry's out there. So is John Troyer. There's a John Troyer sighting. Right? Who's uh, at an oxygen bar getting some oxygen? So he must be. They must be keeping him busy. Awesome. Right? Good. A lot of talking to need an oxygen bar. That's we, right. should, we should get one of those around here. Yeah. I, I, we got an espresso machine, and that's all, all we need. <laughs> and we are going to have an espresso machine in the community's booth this year, even if I have to smuggle one in, right? You know, we're we're going to have one. <laughs> Just get one a little Nespresso or, like, Keurig, right. maybe. Right. Right. One note on uh, on VMworld is I, I have heard from a couple people about blogger passes this year. Um, we, we should be announcing how exactly those are going to be distributed pretty soon, but all we can say right now is, Keep blogging. Um, it's definitely going to be a part, a huge part of the deciding factor. So, um, unless you're going to be doing a tech talk, uh, if you want one of those blogger passes, make sure you're, you're actively blogging. Wait, so Elsa, you're saying it's it's <laughs> it's, it's not going to be easy to get a blogger pass if you haven't actually we're, been blogging? We're not actually just going to hand them out to oh, anyone okay. and their mother, but and, and and this is actually a shift because you know uh, Corey Romero hasn't been in the office and Corey normally hands out these kind of things and mm-hmm. and he knows you know who does blogs who doesn't he has a set of his twenty favorites right and uh, what we've seen in, during the V Expert program um, is you're not guaranteed anymore because we're new and we right. don't know everybody and right. we're, we're looking at the numbers. Mm-hmm. And, and we, did, we did the same thing with the experts where a lot of the experts that were the experts reached out going, hey, why am I not a expert anymore? And I said, because we looked at the numbers and you know, we didn't see it, right? And, we, and, and, and you're not guaranteed if you're not doing the work in the year that the right. word is. Right. And that's the same thing with blogging, right? You, you have to be blogging. You have to be an active blogger. If you've gotten passes in years past, doesn't mean you're going to get one because exactly. one, uh, new people are <laughs> looking at the stuff and we don't have the history. And then two, sure. we're being a little bit more data driven. So. Exactly. Yeah. So we're looking to see if you were at the Emerald last year, were, were you actively blogging? Did you, if you weren't, were you still actively blogging and watching what was going on? Have you, have you talked about the Emerald this year um, and kind of your activity throughout the year? So mm-hmm. that's all we can say. All right. With that, we should get to our first guest, which I think we're going to hit with uh, Victor Van Vandenberg first. So, Victor, are you are you are you on the show? Uh, yes, I am. Good evening or Fantastic. good afternoon for you guys in the, in the U.S. Yeah, that's right. 9 p.m. in the Netherlands. Thanks for staying up, and and also yeah. thanks for blogging. Uh, to get to you, we always do the. Who are you? Uh, how long have you been working in the VMware ecosystem? All right, because you're blogging about VMware. Um, so yeah. how long have you, where do you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, uh, it's been a long time already. I've been in the, in the VMware ecosystem since uh, 2005. So that's already 13 years. I wow. actually started as a, uh, as a trainer, a uh, VMware Ultrawise trainer uh, at an official training center in the Netherlands. Uh, delivering uh, uh, VMware training. Uh, 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 at first, it was uh, focusing on just vSphere, but uh, products like vCloud Director uh, were coming up. Uh, after a couple of years, I moved on to a uh, system integrator in the Netherlands, that's PQR, and I worked there now for about six years, um, working on the SDDC, vSphere, NSX, vRealize products, so, uh, yeah, already I think about 
what is it, about four, 13 years uh, experience in the, in the VMware uh, ecosystem. So that's great. And I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice. When did you start blogging? Um, well, well, during my time as a trainer, uh, I was uh, uh, involved in the in the Dutch VMware user group. I was actually the the leader for the Dutch for the Netherlands VMware user group. Uh, I think in maybe about six years ago, when I moved to my new employer, I also quitted the the VMware leadership. I handed it over to uh, to other great guys that are now doing the the VMUG in the Netherlands. And then my next step was, yeah, I I want to be active in the community, so let's start a blog. And uh, well, that uh, that was the day that uh, Victorious.nl was founded. So I think I'm blogging now for about five or six years. Um, Most of the time focusing on VMware stuff. Sometimes a little Azure, sometimes, yeah, well, uh, uh, AWS is also uh, uh, one of my... uh, uh, focus areas, so uh, I'm also blogging about that. So uh, yeah, and I, I like it. It's uh, it's uh, great to do uh, to do it to write articles to get um, replies on that to get responses and to discuss uh, the subjects that uh, that are on my blog. Great, excellent, excellent, nice blog. Um, I've got it out in front of me right now, so uh, yeah. maybe we should talk a little bit about some thoughts on VM availability and SLAs how to retrieve this information from vRealize Operations. So uh, what got you started uh, thinking about writing an article on this? And uh, why don't you just take us through the article and some of the things you, you're talking about here? Yeah. Well, well I, I do um, a, a quite a lot of uh, projects at customers with uh, vRealize Automation. And uh, with, with these customers, uh, yeah, I have discussions that they ask me, uh, yeah, implement realize automation for us and my question is of course I can do that for you but what do you want to see what's the information you want to retrieve from realize automation of course you have the default uh, dashboards but but you can also create custom dashboards and you can um, uh, yeah create the dashboards that a, a customer wants wants to see and, and provide the information the customer wants but most um, um, most of the time uh, it's pretty difficult for a customer to to explain what he wants to see. He's really um, looking for what kind of information is, uh, is valuable for me. So uh, after talking to the, the Netherlands uh, VMware team, they said you, you really have to take a look at uh, the Operationalize Your World program that is uh, on, a, on a, another blog that's called virtualred.info uh, by one of uh, by a VMware employer. and. Um, he created the Operationize Your World program, and he, he really has a, a nice approach on how to get good and interesting information out of Realize Automation. And part of this information is, is the, well, actually the stuff I, 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 I um, uh, read, uh, write about in this article, it's about SLAs. And if you look at SLAs, service level agreements, a lot of, um, um, yeah, if, if you talk about SLAs, most of the time it's about just the availability of a virtual machine. But uh, if you look at the Operationalize Your World program, a interesting next step when you think about service level agreements is also to think about a performance 
surface level agreement. So not only about the availability of the virtual machine, but also, uh, but you should also think about is the virtual machine performing in a way that that it can satisfy or can uh, deliver the resource the resources that the application that is running inside of the virtual machine uh, requires. And if if, uh, if 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 that that is is true, uh, the the virtual machine can provide those resources. Then your application is is running as expected. So that that's uh, actually the idea about uh, behind this article. It's not only about the availability of the virtual machine, but also is the is the application performing as expected. That's I think that's very important. Yeah, that makes sense. The the distinction between is the virtual machine on and is the service that it's trying to deliver usable is yeah. two very, very different things. Two yeah. very, very different things. Yeah, but but, but you have a challenge. You, I think you have a challenge there because, um, yeah, you can check if the VM is running, if it's powered on. You can check if the the the, the performance is, is okay, is, is as expected. But it, it is it's it's more difficult if you also want to check if the application is um, working as expected from a functional perspective. And uh, to be honest, that is the, the last point. That's not something I'm discussing in this article because that is very de that that is dependent on the kind of application and and the functionality of the application that is providing to the to the to the users in your organization, of course. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you found in having these discussions that um, sometimes organizations will actually change how their applications work or are engineered um, due to you know this requirement of really, or maybe it's the microscope of of examining exactly what availability means and what their yeah. expectations are. Um. Well, well, what I I see that that um, let me think about that question. The, the organizations that I talk to are, well, to be honest, not really focusing on on the SLA. So providing them with this information that is discussed in this article is is really a, a big step forward for them because now they can report availability of the virtual machine and also if the virtual machine uh, uh, can deliver the required resources. So that is, for them, a pretty big step forward for, for the customers I talk to here in the Netherlands. Um, so just knowing is the first step, right? Like yeah. What, yeah. What the reality of what it is that you're experiencing with empirical data. Yeah. So, yeah. and... and I think the thing that I was getting at is sometimes, you know, somebody will start doing something like measuring database availability and mm -hmm. saying, hey, what I want, I want 24-7 availability. And, you know, um, you say, well, what about, what about these maintenance windows? I think you mentioned some things like that. What about uh, if we're doing, uh, you know, we're doing maintenance on the entire application that it's backing? What about... And then they start to revise exactly what it is that they need. And maybe they do need 24-7 availability, but that means mm -hmm. a database cluster and not just a single database server. 
Is there a question? Well, the, I don't know. Maybe I can ask one. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you talk about maintenance, that 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 is another discussion I had with with one of the customers. Um, um, uh, sometimes you have to do an upgrade. You have to apply some kind of patch, and um, if you bring the virtual machine or the application down to apply the patch or the update. Uh, the question is, of course, is that is the is this downtime and uh, is it influencing the service level agreement and is it influence, influencing the the uptime of the virtual machine and the application? And uh, most customers tell me, no, we don't want this planned downtime to uh, influence the actual SLA numbers we we report to our managers. So that that's something you have to think about how to um, yeah, report the service level agreement um, 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 uh, percentage to the, to the management. And you know, what you can do in VRealize operations is you, you can uh, uh, use the option uh, enter maintenance mode. And that's not the, the maintenance mode that is uh, um, available in, in vSphere. Uh, if you put an ESXi host in maintenance mode, this is just maintenance mode of an object that is monitored by Virilas operations. And if you put an object in maintenance mode, then um, Virilas operations will stop monitoring that specific object, for example, a virtual machine. And in that way, it will not influence the, the, uh, the SLA uh, um, uptime percentage. So that's a way you can, can work around with that. Another Thing we discussed with this customer is that yeah, actually the uptime for 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 uh, for us is only important between business hours. So this is another challenge. If you only want to re, um, uh, report the SLA uh, within business hours, how do you do that? And that that's pretty well. It was pretty tough. I, I found some workarounds in realize operations, but but well, to be honest, that that. Uh, is something that could be improved in the product because there's not really a way to report only the SLA during business hours. It's uh, well, it's a challenge. Right. You're, I think maybe what you're pointing out is that the realize operations doesn't really have a way to import or define uh, or I guess describe the service level definition, right? Which says that these are the, the operating hours of this virtual machine or this service. So only monitor during the, these times, or when I generate a report, only generate the report during these times, according to yeah, the service that, level depth. That, that's correct. That, that 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 feature is currently not not in the product, so that well that is a challenge. So you have to well that's in the article. I I found a workaround, but I'm not 100% happy with the workaround. Uh, and and yeah, it, we can do some improvement there. So. Maybe in the next version, you never know. Well, that would be uh, some feedback that maybe we could uh, find some way to give to a, a, a product manager. Yeah. That's a very yeah. idea. Right. Nice. Nice. Um, there was one how did, availability. Um, you got your blog article. The guy just going through the rest of the article. One more thing at the the end. I think you've kind of covered. Uh, yep. How do you uh, how do you, how do you organize your writing 
uh, this is maybe more of a meta discussion, but do you do you have a, a process that you go through where you say, listen, every Thursday evening from 7 to 9 p.m., I'm going to write regardless of whether I have an idea or not? <laughs> um, how often do you publish? How do you stay you know, in the game, so to speak? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. Uh, and I some, to be honest, I sometimes struggle with that. Um, most of the time, I'm 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 writing about the the problems or or challenges I face at the, the projects I'm doing. So mo- most of the articles, not all of them, most of the articles are based on actual actual real world cases that I discussed with a customer or that I faced at a customer uh, project. Um, Sometimes, uh, some blogs, uh, for example, the blog articles about, most of the blog articles about AWS are, yeah, some uh, uh, personal interest, personal studying on a certain subject and then run an article about it. I recently published an article on uh, on Terraform, what that's actually infrastructure as code, very interesting right. product to look at. And um, well, that was actually the result of a presentation I did at a, at an uh, event. Uh, I did a presentation about Terraform, and to do that presentation, I did some research. And well, I did the presentation. It was a very very good session, I think. A lot of people uh, were very interested in the subject of infrastructure as code. And then I thought, well, the so next step it's always, it's nice to read a, a write a write a blog article about that because I I already did the research, so it was really a, a great combination. Use use my knowledge, what I first used to do the presentation. Now I use this knowledge to to create or to write this uh, this article. I don't really have a a day in the week that I write my articles or no. It's it's really when. Uh, I face a problem or a challenge, and then I write an article about it. That's the way I work. Got it. Got it. It, it looks like you're also doing some article aggregation. Do you do ag- aggregation on Victoria.nl, um, or are these a lot of these your writings? Because I'm looking at dates on posts. Um, it looks yeah. like you're doing some aggregation. And um, follow-up question with that is, when you go write an article, do you research to see what other bloggers have already written um, before you then go write another article? Um, yeah, yeah uh, sometimes, not not always. Uh, some sometimes I'm just write the article, uh, and maybe I know that somebody already or, uh, wrote about this specific subject. But for me, when I write an article, you really have to dive into the subject and really understand what is happening. So that's also a good exercise uh, for me. Um, in regards to the question about aggregation, what, what exactly do you mean? Uh, are these all on your blog? Yeah, you know, uh, maybe there's like 10 blogs in April, right, uh, of yeah. this year. Are you, are you aggregating up other people's blogs and putting them on your blogs uh, so you become a... a, a a destination for various uh, articles, or are these uh, all yours? Uh, no, I, no, I don't do any aggregation. I think I had about three articles, so not ten, I guess. No, it were three articles, and most of the, uh, it's always my own article. I write the article. I sometimes refer to other articles, but then I put the content between quotes, of course, because yeah, if if. Uh, somebody else uh, should have the credits. We uh, uh, 
yeah, I have to give them the credits, of course. Uh, and I, I think that's uh, really interesting in that uh, looking at your blog, you have been prolific in that you're, you have a cadence where you're producing you know, high-quality articles on a regular basis, right? Uh, you, right. you got them in March, you got them in April, you have them there. I see a lot of bloggers who, you know, they'll do a really good article, but it's more like once a quarter, right? Yeah. And so yeah. you have, and some, some sites will do aggregation where they, they'll write one article, but then they'll have categories and subjects, on, and, and then they'll link to other people's articles. But you mm-hmm. have a, a, a nice, deep blog with multi-categories, and if you look at the content, you're producing content regularly in the various categories. So uh, I was just trying to dig into how you managed to do that because uh, you, yeah. you have a really <laughs> deep, yeah. high-quality blog here. Right. Especially as a technology officer. I'm sure you don't have a lot of free time. Yeah, well, well thanks for all the compliments. That, that, uh, thank, thank you for that. Well, well, um, well, to be honest, my role as a technology officer at uh, PQR it, it's for me. It's 50% of my time is is really at customers. Is is working on projects with the customer, and 50% of my time is also about uh, supporting our account managers, uh, doing marketing, doing blogging, presenting at events. And and the thing I try to do is to uh, really make a combination. What I just already explained. If I present at an event, I have to do some research. I present about a subject, for example, infrastructure as code, and I also try to write an article about that. And that's the way it works for, mm. for me. Uh, and that's, uh, I think that's also an efficient way to, to manage your time because, yeah, I, I'm a, a pretty, pretty busy person. Uh, I have a two-year-old uh, little boy walking around uh, at home, so uh, uh, life is full. Uh, there's, there, there's not enough time left, so I really try to combine those things and, and, and write about the subjects I'm talking about, presenting about, uh, uh, etc. That's the way I manage it. Yeah. Well, good job, good job to you. And uh, it must be the Netherlands air that just you know creates this kind of environment for you guys. Like uh, <laughs> over here, I have kids running around. I don't have to get anything done. So uh, <laughs> yeah, great job, great job. Um, yeah. Thanks for coming on the show and talking to us about the, the article. And uh, we encourage our listeners to go check out the blogs. Go look at Blogbeat. Look at the streams. We're always aggregating these streams up. And this is a, a really nice blog. So thanks for thanks for spending the time doing it, and thanks for uh, getting in it into the blogs.vmware.com stream and uh, coming on the show. So appreciate it. One more yeah. time. Well, well, thank you for having me. It was, it was great, uh, great experience, and uh, uh, yeah, well, nice to uh, to talk to you guys. Thank thank you for that. And we'll do a shout out to your Twitter handle as well, which is at victorious, uh, but it's V I K. T-O-R-I-O-U-S-S. Is it a third S there? Yeah. Yeah. Give him a follow uh, and say hello to him. Get, get, say a direct tweet to him and tell him you heard him on the show. That'd be awesome. Um, so thanks all for coming on and uh, we'll be watching your blog and maybe get you on again after VMworld. Um, so thanks for jo- joining us. Moving on. Uh, okay. Uh, Vika Shatoli um, at the Think Beyond VM. Um, I think you're still on the call. You've been patiently uh, listening to that, so thanks for waiting. And uh, let's uh, let's uh, see if you're still on the call and say hello. Hey, I, I am on the call. So, Great. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I joined uh, VMware uh, around six years back as an intern, uh, which was part of my master's. And in uh, in uh, 2012, I got converted as a full-time employee. And at VMware, I am part of uh, India R&D. Uh, on high level, I am part of CPBU, uh, working out of Bangalore office. because a lot of interference for whatever reason on uh, Skype. We, I think it was a Skype issue. Um, we got a lot of interference, so I'm just we're going to do that again because a lot of our listeners just had a lot of buzz going on there. So uh, I think we, we were clean audio until you got to the... I work at VMware, uh, CPBU uh, out of India in Bangalore, and then we got, the, we got it. So yep. start up from uh, Bangalore and tell us your story again. Okay. So coming back to uh, VMware community, uh, I think I was lucky enough to get introduced to uh, VMware community uh, so early in my career. And uh, I got uh, inspired by some of the community members such as uh, William Lamb, Duncan Epping, Frank uh, uh, Deneman, and that motivated me uh, to contribute back to the community. And uh, as a result, uh, I have been a, a V-expert since last five years. And uh, Coming back to uh, blogging, uh, I started my blog around three years back. That is WeThinkBeyondVM.com, where my focus is on visual uh, uh, It's a scripting blog, and I do a script on visual using Python, uh, Java, and little bit on PowerShell as well. So that is about uh, my blog. And the, the reason I started this blog was initially I was very much active into VMTN, where uh, VMware users used to ask queries, and I used to be active answering those queries. And I, uh, after one year or so, I realized that uh, there are multiple uh, similar queries coming up. So then I thought, why not uh, write a blog, a detailed blog on a particular topic? particular question is coming up frequently. And then uh, instead of uh, writing it back and uh, pointing them back to the VM, uh, VMTN thread, uh, I can point them directly to my blog. So that was one of the uh, uh, motivation behind that. And uh, on day-to-day -day basis, uh, since I deal with the vCenter uh, vSphere APIs, then I thought, uh, let me focus on vSphere APIs since uh, no, majority of bloggers I have seen, they blog using Power CLI because that's the script language uh, uh, VMware uh, promotes and the uh, customers also like it. Uh, but when it comes to the product integration uh, or uh, within VMware or even third-party integrations, that's where the programming language comes in. So I realize that whenever I need some sample, API sample, and then I, uh, when I'm searching on Google, I a little bit struggle to get some sample uh, which is using API instead of PowerCLI. And that was another motivation. Uh, I thought, uh, let me focus on Vispare API using Python and Java. Uh, so that about it, myself. Very yeah. Cool. yeah, very nice. It's good to see somebody doing automation 
outside of just uh, Power CLI, right? Because yeah. yeah. that, that is the place that most people end up working. Um, and so you, you, you have a nice history there. And are you calling in from, from India then? Yes, I am calling in from India, which is exactly uh, uh, opposite time zone compared to PST. My goodness! Right, so it's like it's 1 a.m. or 12:41 or some some really late late time for you. So appreciate you staying up and coming and talking about your uh, about your blog. So uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about uh, your blog. Uh, so uh, you talk about uh, you know some of the scripts that you've written. Uh, maybe we can uh, drill down on on those and talk about the problem you're trying to solve. Okay, so. The blog that we are trying to discuss today, uh, let me give a brief uh, background about that so that uh, everybody will understand. Uh, in last couple of months, I wrote around three to four uh, blog posts around the security patches uh, released by VMware for vCenter and ESXi. Uh, these patches were released by VMware primarily to remediate security vulnerabilities found in Intel and uh, AMD processor very famous issues such as uh, Spectre and Meltdown. So the, these three to four posts were around that, and specifically on the vCenter behavior post these patches. And VMware released a couple of patches on this, uh, these issues. Uh, first patch was released on the 9th January 2018, and the second patch was released last uh, 20th March 2018. So patch one and patch two. Coming back to uh, the blog that we are talking about, uh, where uh, when the VMware released a patch one, which is on 9th Jan 2018, uh, there was little behavioral change for MTEVC cluster. And then uh, before patch one, and then after patch one, there was a difference between behavior. And in the patch two, we have resolved that issue as well. So I will start with before patch one, what was the behavior? And then after patch one, after patch two. So let me start with the empty EVC cluster. So what is empty EVC cluster, first of all? Uh, I think everybody is aware of the EVC, enhanced vMotion compatibility. Uh, if there are uh, hosts inside the cluster with the different CPU uh, models, from Intel, either Intel or the AMD, uh, then in order to maintain the compatibility for vMotion across those hosts, uh, that's where EVC comes into picture. Now, what is empty cluster, first of all? So we log into the web client and create a cluster uh, without any host. It's an empty cluster. And then we go ahead and enable EVC on the top of that cluster uh, on some EVC mode. EVC mode is nothing but uh, based on the CPU models like SAI Bridge, IVY Bridge, Haswell, Broadwell. Uh, EVC modes uh, basically are decided based on the host that we, we are going to add into that cluster. So let's say we enabled uh, EVC on the empty cluster on Sandy Bridge as an EVC mode. So that's the empty right. EVC cluster. Now, before patch one, what was the behavior? So customer or user created MTVC cluster uh, on Sandy Bridge, and they are trying to add a Sandy Bridge host inside that cluster. Uh, that host will successfully get added into that cluster. 
that was before patch 1 now post patch 1 in order to remediate these security issues uh, as a part of this patch we introduced uh, whenever customer is allowing esx patch on the host uh, around three new cpu cpu ids got introduced let's say xyz so these are the three cpu ids got added post patch 1 so let's say post patch 1 so before patch 1 we were able to add the sandy bridge host into sandy bridge evc cluster but post patch 1 we were not uh, able to add the sandy bridge host inside this sandy bridge evc cluster which was expected so earlier that wasn't the issue but uh, with patch 1 that was the issue uh, so wh- why is that that was the issue uh because when we release patch 1 the patch was for v center as well as esx and let's say customer applied only v center patch initially and the esx patch is yet not applied and now they have created evc empty evc cluster on sandbridge as v center patch is applied those three new cpu ids will be enabled on that empty evc cluster those new cpu ids are not available on the host getting added into that cluster since that esx patch is yet not applied on that host so the empty no. cluster expect that the host also should be applied this patch 1 if the patch is not applied uh, then that host sandy bridge host do the cluster is also enable on sandy bridge evc mode will not be allowed to be entered but if it is patched then it is allowed to be entered so that was the issue customer is saying that earlier we were able to add any host now post patch 1 we were not able to add uh, the sandy bridge host itself that was because if we are applying the esx patch as well then we are making we are enabling these three new cpu ids on that sandy bridge host so now the empty evc cluster also has three new so evc cluster knows that there are three more uh, bits and then e, uh, host also uh, has those three new cpu uh, ids so in that case uh, that host will be successfully added uh, if if the customers are not applying the esx patch then what was the workaround so i wrote about the workaround also the workaround was create a evc uh, empty cluster but don't enable any uh, evc mode add right. as much as uh, host as possible inside that cluster once all the host are added and then go ahead and enable evc on that cluster so that was the workaround got it, got it. and there was a miss clarity and order of operations yes true so that was a workaround but still it was a oh. usability issue uh and may, uh, many of the customer reported in vmt on internally on the social cast and some on the twitter as well and that motivated me to write uh, this post uh, the why it is happening this way uh, in fact i wouldn't say this is an issue uh, it is a change in behavior and which was expected at that point in moment but since they, there were uh, many uh, srs and some of the customer complained in the vmt as a part of patch 
uh, we change this behavior. Uh, so what was the behavior post patch two? Is that customer can create a empty cluster, enable EVC on whatever EVC mode they would like to have, and by that time, though the vCenter patch is applied, EVC will not consider those new CPU IDs to be enabled on that cluster. So it will allow any host to be entered, whether it is passed or unpassed. If it is added as a passed, then automatically that EVC cluster will get upgraded to the new CPU uh, IDs. If the unpassed is getting added, then the no new CPU IDs will not be enabled on that cluster. So that was a change in the behavior. Right. So coming back to the scripting, uh, now uh, there is one API property called as uh, feature capabilities. So we can connect to the vCenter, then connect to the cluster, then get that feature capability property. That property lists what are the CPU IDs enabled on this cluster. So we can scan that list of the feature capabilities available on that cluster. Feature capabilities, nothing but those CPU IDs, CPU features available on that cluster. If uh, these three new CPU IDs are uh, available in that list, it does mean that, that that VC is passed, the cluster is also passed, and all the hosts inside the cluster also are passed. So we can use that single property without querying anything on the host, on the cluster level itself. That property will help us to get uh, whether the cluster is patched or not. And as a part of the same, patch one and patch two, there was little behavioral change in the V motion and the UVC uh, behavior where let's say I patch one host and another host is not patched. So the, the host which is patched will have new CPU IDs, X, Y, Z. The unpatched host will not have those X, Y, Z features. So the V motion from the patched host to the unpatched host will fail, though the CPU model on both the host is same. So that is expected. So that's the change in the behavior. So in order to have that V motion across bo both of these hosts, we need to apply this patch on both of the hosts. So then it will work. Now this is about standalone host. Now what happens if uh, such hosts are part of the EVC cluster? Now let's say I created EVC cluster. Now uh, post patch two, as I said, uh, with empty EVC cluster, new features will not be enabled. So let's say I added the first host into, into the cluster as a unpatched host. So it will take and new features will not be enabled on the cluster. And now the second host is passed. It will also be allowed. Uh, so there are two hosts inside the cluster. One is passed, another is unpatched. But the cluster EVC is intelligent enough. It will not uh, enable those new CPU bits on that cluster. That is why vMotion from across these hosts will continue to work fine, though there is a host uh, which is passed. Now, what happens uh, if I add a passed host first inside the cluster? So, MTVC cluster is there. Now, I am adding 
host which is passed inside the cluster. So that is the first host getting added into the cluster. So as soon as that host is added, EVC gets upgraded to the new features. Post that, unpassed host can't be added into that cluster since that unpassed host doesn't have those new CPU IDs. But if I, if I have uh, one passed and another is unpassed, and let's say I upgrade that unpatched, which was inside the cluster. The EVC is intelligent enough to upgrade uh, the new CPU bits on the cluster. So from there on, we can say that the entire cluster is patched. So that okay. was about it. Got it. So one of the things that I, I, I pull from that is that even after patch two, um, the very, if you want to add unpatched hosts, to the MPEBC cluster, then those, the very first host that you add should be an unpatched host. Uh, not, not needed. Uh, from there, we not. have flexibility where uh, we can add unpatched host or patched host. If we add unpatched host, then the cluster will allow the second host as a patched or unpatched. But if you add first host as a patched host, then unpatched right. host will not be allowed unless it is upgraded to the and uh, the patch is applied. Got it. Wait, so that sounds like you do need to add an unpatched host as the very first host. Yes. Okay. So if you want unpatched hosts in the cluster, at least the, then the very first host should be unpatched. Well, Otherwise, the not... cluster will be. Yeah, it's not mandatory, but the the behavior now is the EVC will the EVC behavior will change based on the first host getting added inside the clusters. So if it is passed, then EVC will upgrade to the new features. Then post that, unpatched host will not be allowed inside the cluster. If we that add unpatched host, the cluster will not upgrade to the new features. So it will allow you a patched host also and unpatched host. So it's it's a flexibility given to the users. If I can echo this back to you, and you can tell me if I'm understanding correctly, um, the the security patches for Spectre and Meltdown and that family of uh, security issues, one of our responses was to add new bits to the uh, CPU ID. And a patched host would have those bits, and an unpatched host wouldn't have them because they were introduced in the patch. and as a result, EBC um, would fail um, because if you upgraded a vCenter, which it expected those new bits, and an unpatched host wouldn't have those new bits. So they wouldn't be admitted to the EBC cluster. And then yeah, true. Um, after patch one and patch two, um, it will expect, uh, it, you will be able to uh, create an empty EBC cluster and if you add an unpatched host into the empty EBC cluster, then it will allow, it will recognize that it's an unpatched host and it'll say, well, for EBC compatibility, I'm going to start ignoring these three extra bits. But yeah, if the very first is added is a patched host, then it'll say, then I'm going to inspect these bits uh, for every host that gets admitted to this EBC cluster. So order of operations is still important for the first host that you add to the cluster. 
yes, true. Okay, great. Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting gotcha, and I'm, I, it's fascinating that you saw enough of that in the BMTN communities to to start to dive deep in and and figure out exactly what was going on there. Is that a is that a typical pattern? I think you said that earlier on, where you notice uh, several questions to where it becomes a frequently asked question, and then you write a blog article on it. Is that is that a typical pattern for you? Yeah, that that's a uh, pattern for me. And the other way to uh, write these blogs are like whenever vSphere 6.5 went out, there were quite a lot uh, new features got added, new APIs got added. So right. in the community, somebody is asking about uh, particular APIs, then I will write about it. If if uh. there is no query, then I will proactively go ahead and uh, write a blog on the new API that is being introduced for that release. Now, since now 6.7 is released a couple of weeks back, now my next plan is to write uh, blogs on the new API has got introduced uh, in got 6.7. It. Have you, I don't know, like I I actually haven't investigated this yet, and, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but do you know if there are APIs for the new per VM EBC features? I, I yes. don't know if you noticed that was, I noticed that that's something that's in the, uh, in the, um, something you can do in the client, but I just wasn't sure if there was an API. Yes. Uh, so for per VM EBC, uh, this is the picture introduced in 6.7. Uh, prior to 6.7, uh, EBC was all about cluster level and the host level. The cluster will impose those CPU features on the, all the host, and the host will impose on all the VMs inside that cluster. Now, with per VM EVC, on particular uh, VM, we can impose certain CPU features. And uh, for some of the VMs, those features will not be available. So that kind of use case, what my based on my understanding, that kind of use case is pretty uh, useful uh, when it comes to the hybrid cloud experience. Uh, when customers like to vMotion, their VM, particular VM, let's say SQL or any other important VM from their on-prem uh, to the off-prem uh, into the cloud. Now, the cloud, they don't have much control. Uh, so in those cases, per VM EVC plays very critical role. That will be very oh, yeah. uh, helpful. Well, I'll look forward to maybe reading uh, some of your posts on that if, right. if you do get there. All right, hey, we're running close we're, to the hour. We, yeah. we are, we are, we're right at the top of the hour, so we'll do a little house cleaning. So uh, thanks a lot for uh, writing the article. And I would say that uh, the scripts that you have there, there are like four or five different ones out there, are all uh, you have linked into GitHub. So um, people should be able to, I assume those projects are open, and people can go pull down, at least pull down the script and, uh, and use it. Uh, do you ever get anybody helping you uh, Fix anything or add add new functionality to your scripts. You are you do have them as GitHub projects, right? Yes, true. Uh, everything, okay. uh, all my scripts are there in my uh, GitHub account. Very clean, okay, good. very readable. Good. Well, uh, thanks a lot for doing that. And uh, there, yeah, well documented uh, links, uh, highlighted code in the in the blog article. So, and then links to the, your other scripts at the bottom of the blog article. So. 
very clean, nicely presented in GitHub. Uh, so thanks a lot for, for doing that. And uh, we are at the top of the hour. So if people want to follow you, I think you're at uh, v, VThink Beyond VM, correct? Yes, Twitter? Excellent, excellent. And uh, you are you are in India, so the, you, if you're going to direct tweet with him, you're going to have to figure out the time zone and uh, do it when you're not waking him up in the middle of the night. To, you get your Twitter notifications on like a good uh, community person, I'm sure. Um, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, again, think vthinkbeyondvm.com is your blog. And it looks like a great blog. And thanks for being part of the uh, BlogBeat program. And thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Yep. Uh, uh, good job, nice. Mr. White. Uh, that, I thought that was uh, I. I was lost about halfway through that. So oh, really? You stayed on the thread oh. and and understood it. And sorry, I, I was nerding out. Yeah, you were, and it's it's awesome that you're here and you you were able to make sense of that, right? Because I was lost. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but go check out the blog article. The blog article is is very clean on that and. Uh, and we will be uh, back again next week, as as always. So this was a a blogbeat highlight. The blogbeat. Uh, Elsa, thanks for getting bloggers and uh, exposing them. There's really really good articles, and appreciate everybody doing doing the work they do uh, on on the blog. So that's great. Awesome. I guess it's time to go get barbecue. So uh, in, in, until next week, um, I hope everyone has a great week, and we will be here next week. Going to hit the big end red end button now. <laughs>